This is 88.9% Sports Talk Interviews. What is up, 88.9 The Bridge listeners? I'm Gio Schleifer from 88.9% Sports Talk, and today I'm joined by the play-by-play radio announcer for the Charlotte Hornets, Sam Farber. What's up, Sam? How's it going? Going well, Joe. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming on uh, for the interview. This is this is awesome. So It is my pleasure. C- could you tell us a little bit about what you do? So I'm the radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, and so what that entails is I call all of the NBA games, basically, from preseason all the way through, hopefully, someday soon, the NBA Finals. In addition to that, I host the team's official podcast, which airs daily during the season and scales back a little bit during the off season, and end up usually being a, a team spokesperson for a variety of media interviews inside the market, as well as nationally at times. And, and- for for listeners who might want to tune into that podcast, what what times of the day is the podcast on, or where can they find sure. the podcast? Sure, so it should be available wherever you get your podcast, and it's titled the Hornet Hivecast. Uh, it tends to be if you pop if you're shooting for uh, you know Hornets related content or NBA related content, it tends to be an easy find, and uh, we put it out daily so that fans who are looking for game previews or reviews or player interviews. I can find anything their heart desires when it comes to the Hornets. That's awesome. So take take us back in time. When did you first know you wanted to follow a career in sports broadcasting? Uh, and if you didn't know early on, what was the deciding factor that made you follow the path to become a play-by-play announcer? Well, I knew I wanted to work in sports. I, I was obsessed at a very early age. I loved playing. I loved watching. I was just very uh, sports-enthused growing up. And I think I became really serious about being a broadcaster right about the time I figured out that I wasn't going to be playing. So that was a little bit later than it probably should have been. Um, Signs were pretty obvious. I was not destined to play in the NBA. Um, But fortunately, it was early enough for for me to get started. So I uh, worked my way up through college radio uh, into the professional ranks. Uh, I've done work in TV and radio everywhere you can think of, from minor league baseball and uh, small market college basketball, uh, all the way up to working for ESPN and now in the NBA. I mean, that's that's awesome. And, and what made you choose play-by-play over color commentary? Well, color commentators tend to be, for the most part, either coaches or players. So in terms of you know my professional aspirations, the odds were going to be very, very long, regardless of which route I went, but certainly much longer uh, from the color commentary side. And also, I just genuinely enjoyed the rhythm and the control you have over the broadcast as the play-by-play broadcaster, particularly in radio. In television, the color commentators are the stars, as they should be. In radio, since people can't see exactly what's going on without you, the play-by-play guy tends to dominate the conversation. Yeah. And what was your first radio experience like as a play-by-play radio announcer? Oh, this is a good story. So my my first ever game, I was a college student at the George Washington University, Atlantic 10 school, and uh, I had uh, just been cut from the tennis team, so my my playing career was officially over, and uh, I went to the college radio station, you know, starting to explore different ways to stay involved in sports, and uh, they had a, a, a group of people that covered um, the men's and women's college basketball team. So I signed up to try and do that as a play-by-play broadcaster. My first assignment was a women's college basketball preseason game. It was GW versus the Chinese national team. Now, this is 2002, so this is pre-Facebook Internet. 
long before you were ever born, Joe. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, the Internet's a little slower then. And information's not exactly plentiful, but I was excited. I thought this this looks cool. This is something that maybe I'll get into. So study up, get ready for the game, get there about three hours early, and meet the sports information director. And he says, hey, Sam, great to have you here. By the way, uh, Chinese national team not here today. It's actually a Hungarian club team named Zalavolan. Here is the roster. Have fun. And so the names just do a complete 180 on me. And I'm completely lost um, in terms of trying to figure out pronunciations and backstories and all that stuff. Um, but as much of a train wreck as it was, I really hope I can't find that tape ever again. Uh, it was just a ton of fun. And uh, I figured on the plus side, it could not be any worse circumstances to prepare for a game than that. And I still had a great time. And that was my first ever broadcast. And luckily, uh, I've never had similar circumstances since. That's awesome. And, and kind of flowing into this next question, that that might that was probably like the biggest surprise of your your early radio career in college. What was, what was the part about college radio that you enjoyed the most? I think just getting to learn. You know, you don't know what you don't know at the time. You're doing it because you love it, because you're enthused about it. Maybe you have dreams and aspirations of doing it professionally. Hopefully, you do if, if you're really working hard at it. Um, but you don't know how difficult the path is going to be, or or, you know, any of that sort of stuff. You're just doing it because you love it. And uh, you're also doing it in a relatively safe space. Many college radio stations, you would have a hard time getting the signal if you're outside of the station itself. So sometimes you're just kind of broadcasting for yourself, and it allows you space to make mistakes uh, without as many people noticing. And I think that's important for young broadcasters to get a feel for things and start to get your timing down. A lot of mentors of mine have told me that you don't really know what you're doing as a play-by-play broadcaster until you've done about a thousand hours worth of uh, of content, which is a long time to do. Uh, and I, I think to a certain extent that's true. So while there's a lot of naturals out there who are very gifted uh, very early, I, I think it's important to learn by doing, to be in a place where you feel safe, to try things, experiment, make mistakes. And college radio is a great place to do that. Yeah, and, and going on to, to number eight, what was one of the most unique experiences that you've had throughout your time with the Hornets franchise? Like, have you had any insane games, met any in, in extremely cool people? Well, I mean, in the NBA, everyone is a really cool person, to be, to be honest. I, I'd say the strangest experiences got to be, you know, the circumstances of my first year in, in that it was the pandemic season. And so it wasn't the one that was shut down midway, uh, and went into the bubble. It was the one directly after that. And it, it meant me doing every game from inside our home arena, Spectrum Center in Charlotte, whether the team was there or not. So there were a lot of days where it's just me and the TV crew, and we're all talking to each other, uh, calling the game off monitors. And then uh, when the team was home, there still couldn't have been more than 100 people in the building, including coaches, trainers, staff, and players. So it was a very surreal experience. Uh, I applaud the NBA because they found a way to safely hold basketball games during a global pandemic and give fans something to distract themselves and something to root for and cheer for. Um, but it's certainly a, a very strange set of circumstances. I, I don't anticipate I'll ever have to do a game in an empty arena again. Yeah. And, and what, were, what were some of the, the difficulties and the troubles that you had going into a season with no fans and not being able to go to the games? Well, it, it's, 
it's not uncommon to be to be frank with you in in today's broadcasting world you know i've done a lot of work in television and um depending on the sport depending on the circumstances there's a lot of times where you do go to a studio and you call the game off a monitor um international soccer is called a lot that way uh, there's a lot of different sports that do it that way so it was not my first time doing that um, but one thing that I always like to use as an element of my broadcast is the crowd, the, the vibe, the energy of the building. Sometimes just hearing people going nuts in the background instead of the broadcaster can tell a story. And for that entire season, there wasn't anyone else in the building to tell the story. So um, it, in terms of as a radio announcer, it wasn't as difficult because you don't leave as much blank space to begin with. Um, but that was one oddity is you always have to be supplying the energy. You never get that little boost that picked me up from the crowd when there's no one else in there in the building to be the crowd. Yeah. And, and what, what qualities do you think make an awesome sports broadcaster? Is it the ability to bring the energy through a radio without any fans in the building? Or is it to, to be able to fe- feed off the team's energy from wherever they are? You know, I think really it's a borderline obsessive, compulsive uh, need to be around and, and watch the game. You, you just kind of have to have a love for it because it is really all-encompassing. Uh, you, you can uh, ask my wife, you know, when I'm not working basketball games, I'm probably watching basketball games, I'm reading about players, I'm looking over stats and notes and, and anything I can get my hands on because uh, you never know everything. There's always something else you can, you know, put into your notes and into your prep uh, to make you a better broadcaster, make your call your next call a better one. So I think, you know, it, it's, there's not a lot of these jobs. Um, they're very hard to come by. And I think, you know, as, I, I take it seriously in, in that I think I owe it to the fans to be the best version of myself every game uh, and make sure they're getting, you know, their, their, their money's worth, so to speak, uh, for me. And I think all announcers really owe that because it is a, a, it's an awesome job. It's amazing. It does require a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice. Um, but if you're not willing to make it, then you probably should step aside and let someone else who is willing and wanting to have the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's got, it must be so fun just being able to watch sports and, and learn so much from your job as you go on. It really is. I mean, and, and it's, again, for me, I've always been obsessed with, with sports. So this is just a dream come true for me, um, and, and I really love it. But but I would say this, you know, I loved my previous stops as well. I love being at ESPN and working for Fox Sports and Valley Sports, and I love working in minor league baseball, and I love doing college uh, college radio. I mean, I've I've always felt that I've had my dream job. And I think an important thing to keep in perspective if you're going to attempt to go into this career, is what success really is to you. If being successful as a sports broadcaster means being the play-by-play voice of the Seattle Mariners or the Seattle Seahawks or any professional team, you're better off trying to do something else because there are only so many of these jobs. There's only so many people who are going to be lucky enough to do it. And if you're you know, it's like saying, I don't just want to go to law school. I want to be a Supreme Court justice. Well, there's nine of those. You know, it's not to say you can't do it. But if that's the only marker you have for success, you're setting yourself up to probably be disappointed. And on the other hand, if you go into it saying, I want to watch sports for a living and I'm willing to make sacrifices in terms of income or where I want to live just to have that, you know, be my goal, then 
there are lots of ways you can get involved in broadcasting and find ways to be very, very happy uh, in your career and in your life. But I, I, I've never felt in, in my entire career, people around me might have thought differently, but for me personally, I always felt like I had my dream job, even as I was making my way up the ranks. And it's certainly a, a better situation now, and I'm much happier and more comfortable here in the NBA than any other stop I've been in. Um, but I don't think if I had stopped at a previous place and not gone further that I would have seen myself as any less of a success. That's awesome. All right, let's move into this this rapid fire round I got for you. Well, okay. And then then we'll then we'll do the big final question that I got got for you at the end. It's, it's big. You got you got to think about it because it screwed some of us over, but not everybody. So and, and as a sports broadcaster, I think you might have the best one of these. But you'll find out what it is at the end. All right, for number one of the rapid fire, what is the best game you've ever called? Ooh, gosh, there's so many good ones. Oh, man, I'm going to say the next one. That's kind of a cop-out, but I'm always looking forward to the next game. Um, but I did do a very cool high school football game once upon a time between Modern Day and St. John Bosco. DJ Uyunglele, who's currently the quarterback at Clemson, versus Bryce Young, who just won the Heisman Trophy at Alabama. That was a very cool game as well. Yeah, and going from the best game, what's the worst game you've ever called? Oh, boy. You know, there's not a lot of bad ones. Probably that, but let's, gosh, I don't know. Worst game I've ever called? Maybe one, one of those games in the pandemic um, before I got to the NBA where I was just in a studio, empty building. Those were kind of weird and odd. It's still, but I mean, I'll put it this way. The worst day for me as an NBA play-by-play broadcaster is the best day that, that you could possibly imagine. So I'm always happy. There are no bad days. That's awesome. And, and- as an NBA broadcaster and as you had this incredible career so far, who who's who has made you the most starstruck out of the people you've interviewed or talked to or, or just seen on the court? Wow. Well, my favorite player growing up, other than Michael Jordan, was Chris Mullen. And uh, Chris Mullen uh, has been in the game for a long time. He was a part of the Dream Team with MJ. Uh, and so I am positive when I meet MJ, that will that will take this one's place but I have had the opportunity, the privilege to be in the presence of Chris Mullen a couple of times. And that's the, the most excited I've been and most nervous I've been to shake somebody's hand. So I'm going to go with Chris Mullen. That's awesome. And, and who's the coolest person you've interviewed? Oh, coolest? got to be LaMelo Ball. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and were you able to do it live on air? Was it like a podcast type thing? How, how'd that happen? Both, both. He's on our team. So LaMelo is, you know, he's a superstar, first-time All-Star this year, Rookie of the Year. Um, But more importantly, just a great kid, and and he is going to do great things in the game. Um, And he's got swag for days. So he he is is as cool as they come, and I'm hoping I get to work with him for at least 15 more years. (laughs) That's incredible. All right, for the final question, I know this has screwed me over because March Madness is crazy this year. How has your March Madness bracket done so far? Oh, you know, I, I'm still alive. I have Gonzaga versus Arizona in the final. So Same anytime, here. you know, people, you know, lose a lot of hair trying to figure out, all right, who's going to win? Who's going to be my 12 seed that advances? Who's going to you know, win this 8-9 game? Really, winning your bracket is about picking the final. So, so the longer you have your finalists alive, the better chances you got. As of this recording, mine are still in play. 
So my March Madness is going okay so far. That's pretty good. My, I can't say the same about mine. I, I got Arizona and Gonzaga in the final, but everything else has kind of gone out the window. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, Sam. I'm Joe Schleifer with 88.9% Sports Talk, and you're tuned in to 88.9 The Bridge.